Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane and it's Friday, November the 28th. Welcome to the highlights of the issue of the Lancet dated November the 29th to December the 5th. I'm delighted to be joined this week by my colleague, Dr. Rona MacDonald, who's appeared on many a Lancet podcast. Welcome, Rona. Hello there. Good to have you here. We're not doing an author interview this week. Quite a lot of the content has previously been published online. Rona, we must start with two of the editorials make for very interesting reading. The first one, the longer one, talks about the ministerial meeting in Bamako in Mali that took place last week. Can you just talk us through what happened at that meeting as reported by the editorial? Well, as you remember, a few weeks ago now, that was at the beginning of November, we published a special issue to coincide with the meeting in Bamako in Mali, which is all about research for health. So the conference, the meeting has now happened, and this was the Global Ministerial Forum on Research for Health um, last week, and Richard Horton, editor of The Lancet, and our colleague Pam Das were both there, and so this week's long leader reports on it. And I think many people will be interested to know that It was a lot better than some people imagined. The people were very critical of the conference beforehand and thought that not much would happen in it and it would be yet another talk shop. But as is absolutely clear from the leader, it was a meeting of action points. As the editorial says, a lot of creative thinking when you get people like ministers of health and science, technology, education, um, you know, all in a room together for three days. Really the crux of the editorial is that We must do more for research and health. I think everyone gets that. But rather than three days of hand-wringing of what to do next, as I say, they come up with some clear action points. And one of the main things to come of it was that it has to be country-led. It can't be institutional-led, you know, by the big UN-type institutions and the World Bank. But really, they have to listen to countries and what countries want and respond to that accordingly. Also, money. The countries were there, committed themselves to allocating at least 2% of national health budgets to research. So that's a great way forward. And also a very interesting idea of having an international annual World Day of Research for Health. So that's been proposed for November the 18th. So what happens now is all the action points from the meeting, and I say you can read about them in this week's Long Leader, will be taken forward to WHO's Executive Board meeting in January, and then it'll be discussed there and hopefully put forward to the World Health Assembly in May. So the editorial finishes with, I think, a really sort of encouraging remark. It says, last week's deliberations were an example of what can be achieved through patient and persistent engagement. 2009 must be the year when the promises of Bamako are acted upon. So here, here. Absolutely. And staying with the editorial section, Rona, there's a short editorial and this is looking at a very thorny issue of uh, access to confidential patient information, but within the context of encouraging uh, individuals to enrol in medical research. Can you just give us a bit of background here? That's right. Well, this is a, a very thorny UK issue at the moment because the government is has currently put out a consultation about patients' records and their use in research. And there's still some time to add comments to that. And I'd really encourage people to do so because, as you say, it's, it's you know quite a polarised issue as well. So the sort of topical peg for it was, as reported in the UK broadsheet The Guardian, the new head of the National Information Governance Board for Health and Social Care, so that's basically the watchdog of the NHS, he was saying how the proposals in the government consultation is actually acting against patients and he said that it was ethically unacceptable. The proposal is that the 50 million patient records in the UK UK researchers should have access to them because in the end research is helping patients and the bottom line that the editorial took was that what's more unacceptable 
is that patients are currently unable to enter research studies, you know, to improve the standards of their care, but also to deliver essential knowledge to improve future standards of care. So, of course, that's one line to take. But then, of course, you consider the patient's aspect, too, about patient confidentiality and also consent, because I think, you know, patients want to know what's happening with their records. And if they're going to be given to someone else, I guess they should have at least knowledge of that and give their consent to it. So the specifics of it aren't really discussed in the editorial, but I would encourage everyone to, or as many people as possible, to read the government's consultation and the links to it is in the editorial and then decide for themselves and maybe comment on the consultation. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Do we know how long it is out for consultation? Let's see if I can do my arithmetic. It launched, it's a 12-week public consultation that launched on September the 17th, so just about to the end of the year, I guess. Yep, that sounds about right. (laughs) Well done, good maths on the hoof there. Moving on, we should just mention that the research articles, the three research articles in this week's issue of The Lancet, have all been published online in the past few weeks. We have two articles that are step studies looking at a possibility of an HIV vaccine. This is the Merck HIV vaccine, but sadly the results are negative aren't they? That's right yes because they've been published early online the link comments have also been published early online too but there's two really good clinical unlinked comments in this week's issue and again I think as shown in this issue we've got a diverse range of things they show that too one's on chronic care looking specifically at chronic wound care and the other's on acute care this time looking at acute kidney injury so they're very clinical topics. Indeed, and talking of variety in The Lancet, you couldn't complain with this week's issue that it was dull. A rather remarkable viewpoint, Rona. Tell us all about that. Now, we've, that's been the editors, have always loved this viewpoint all through the peer review process. It's called Who is Jack Bauer? And it's beautifully written in a really engaging way by Homer Venters, who's a resident in the US. And it's all about the acceptance of torture, or as, um, as he says, as it's now kind of so-called name is enhanced interrogation to make it a bit more palatable. He talks about this one patient he came across, um, Kofi, when he was working at the Bronx Human Rights Clinic and says a bit about Kofi's experience of torture. But also as he got to know um, Kofi over the months, uh, Kofi asked him, who's Jack Bauer? Because he heard this name. And as I'm sure most people will know, Jack Bauer is the immensely popular character from the Fox TV show 24. And he regularly relies on his own version of enhanced interrogation, in inverted commas. But basically, he's made torture popular. And because of that, you know, it was a very political issue in the run-up to the election as well. And the candidates were all asked for their own views on torture. In fact, they were given a certain situation. Like in one debate, a scenario was put to all of the candidates that uh, is really the sort of torture dilemma. So terrorists have struck on US soil, the authorities have detained suspects and have reason to think that they may possess knowledge of another imminent attack. And then they ask whether they torture or not to torture. And interestingly, it was only Senator John McCain who um, said absolutely that um, torture should not be used. And the others were all a bit more vague, even though President-elect Obama and all uh, president-elects have endorsed uh, what George Washington said all these years ago about the British troops executing surrendered American prisoners and he banned retaliation in any kind, stating treat them with humanity and let them have no reason to complain of our copying the brutal example of the British army in their treatment of our unfortunate brethren. Every president-elect since then has upheld that view. But then, as Homer, the author, so rightly says, if we cannot torture because of who we are, that is being American, you cannot torture, 
then the damning question then is who have we become if we accept torture? And so he, he goes on to describe um, the other view of how tortures can you know, sometimes be thought acceptable, but at the end of the day, it still is, you know, causing harm to people. And he then says what goes on about what doctors or the health profession can do in the face of torture, in the face of uh, treating victims of torture as well. The first is really we can educate ourselves more about it and because um, it is a real public health issue. And it's, you know, most doctors come across this, you know, whether they're general practitioners in the UK, family physicians in the US or wherever they are in the world, because unfortunately torture has become so prevalent. And, you know, with immigration and uh, with asylum seeker status, most doctors will come into contact with it. So the second is that we should really strengthen our ties with human rights organisations, such as Physicians for Human Rights Watch, etc., and Amnesty International. And then the last is, is that we should try and proceed in the least partisan manner possible because you know torture is a political issue but it's a human issue too and the line taken in this viewpoint is that you know causing harm to other human beings is wrong particularly he says is you describe what torture actually is like you know hanging people upside down and and whatever that's wrong whatever the situation but yet we've made it a very political issue and that's not a very effective way forward either so whatever your own views personal views on this issue i'd really encourage you to read this viewpoint it's a really beautifully written one and a very powerful one as well and if I may say so, it's very eloquently summarised there by Rona. It's fantastic. You. You're making my life very easy this week, Rona. I <laughs> do appreciate it. So I think that just about wraps it up. Oh, just one other thing, a correction, tut tut, from myself. In last week's podcast, I said how the previous issue concluded the China series in print. Well, that's not the case. It concludes this week. Rona, thanks ever so much for your time and for walking us through this week's issue. My absolute pleasure. Thank you all very much for listening. Much more next week.